TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. The set for the 1-1. Here it comes. The runner goes. The pitch grounded to set to Swanson. He steps on second and the ball game is over. The Cubs win the game. Dansby ran over to cover second. The runner was going. The ball hit right to Swanson. All he had to do was stomp on the bag at second. And the Cubs had the win. We're back live with more Anthony Heron on 670 The Score in Odyssey Station. Hour number two coming at you here on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Big voice guy told you. I'm Anthony Heron. A couple hours to go. We talked some Cubs and a lot of Bears in hour number one and described really the, the busyness of this uh, past Let's call it few days, I guess, as we're somehow only at Wednesday and the Chicago sports landscape has just been rife with storylines since the weekend here. So we're trying to keep up with all of it. I will continue to attempt to do that this evening. Let's transition into a little more in-depth Cubs conversation and go out to the Circle Resort and Casino in Las Vegas hotline, home of the world's largest sports book. And there, we're now joined by Brett Taylor, baseball writer for Bleacher Nation and The Athletic Chicago. You can find him on Twitter at Brett underscore A underscore Taylor. And I really hope at some point, Brett, you add more underscores there just for the specificity that it will provide to your Twitter handle. How you doing this evening, sir? I'm I'm doing good. Three is the limit, apparently. I, I would have squeezed on a few more if I could. <laughs> I'm sure that you would, man. So the game today is just the latest example of, of this this current version of the Cubs, and it's kind of like, you know, I don't know if you're – I'm going to assume for a moment you're old enough to remember the A-Team. Like, not the movie, but the TV show from the 80s. And <laughs> sure. Hannibal would just end so many episodes. With, I love it when a plan comes together. And it feels like the construct of this roster and the success that it's leading to with pitching and defense. And, yeah, these low-scoring games of high leverage can be stressful – but they're winning them with the way this team is designed to win them. I, I mean, is it worthy of, of David Ross and, and others having smiles on their faces? Because these are wins, ugly or not. Well, it's not hard to think back to the last era of the Cubs, even as good as it was, a lot of really good players. We saw them face teams like this Brewers team right now and, and with the Brandon Woodruff and a fantastic bullpen and get completely shut down. And that's not to say that this, team has a dramatically better offense than the uh, World Series era team, but I think they do a very good job of being maybe a little more pesky, a little more annoying, a little more uh, able to grind out a couple runs here and there and 
as you said, it's a team that's built on pitching and defense, which they really did have on display today. And that's how you end up winning a, a 3-2 game uh, at a critical time and against a team that you're chasing and a team that's had come into this series playing extremely well. And in doing that, what was it, a nine-game win streak the Brewers had, had gotten to with that initial win in the series here. And, you know, it, it did seem like there was a lot of gnashing of teeth going on from folks like, oh, man, here we go. The Brewers are about to extend this lead, run away with the division. To come out with yet another series win and to do it against the division-leading Brewers after they shut you down in game one, how impactful – can this series win in the fashion that it happened over these final two games? Is it the type of thing that you think can be impactful leading into the stretch run of the the season here? Well, I think at a minimum, it keeps the divisional story going. I think that had certainly had the Cubs gotten swept by the Brewers, you'd have to fully turn the page to the wild card and say, okay, that's where the focus is. But even if the Cubs had lost this series, they would have been five games out heading into September and, pretty rare that teams overcome that that level of a deficit in a single month. And so I think winning the series, even just from that perspective, you, you, you get it to three games and you still have three games at the end of the month against the Brewers again. I mean, the, the Cubs are going to be in this race still for a while. And uh, they actually have a nice spot in the wildcard standings as it is. So even setting aside any of sort of the momentum stuff that we believe, that kind of stuff, which I, I think there's a little bit to that, but – uh, even if you just look at it from a pure standings-based perspective, these were two really important wins against uh, the very team that the Cubs need these wins against because cl- clearly no other team is going to give them help against the Brewers, apparently. Do you view it uh, as far as just making the postseason and that as an accomplishment in itself, just in, in viewing this this most recent revamping or rebuild or whatever re-term we want to put on this thing here, just making the postseason, is that just cool enough in its own right? How, how big of a difference do you separate the idea of making the wild card versus actually winning a division title? Well, I mean, I can answer that probably two ways, and it's, it's going to be a different flavor for everybody else. You know, for me, just as a fan, I think it's cool to win the division. You know, I, I just think it's nice to be able to say whatever comes after hey, you know, remember when the Cubs won the division in 23? And they surprised and they ran down the Brewers in September. That was cool. Um, I, I just think that's neat. But as it, as it relates to what the postseason can be, probably not a huge difference. You, you kind of just you want to get in. Would you like to have the three home games in the wildcard series? Sure. Does it make a huge difference? Probably not. And so I think just making the playoffs is kind of the – the big deal for this year because it, it'll validate so much of what this group has been trying to do in a way that I think a lot of people doubted that they could compete this year. And so I, I think heck, the fact that we're even having this conversation right now at the end of August is uh, already kind of uh, impressive. What would you say is the most surprising aspect of it because earlier in the season when it felt like they were losing games that maybe they should have won a lot of that came down to a lack of timely hitting and now the hitting has become still inconsistent still spotty but timely you know runners in scoring position they're they're making that happen more frequently than they did earlier in the year do you find that surprising at all or is it even more so the way that the pitching staff has been able to coalesce even in the midst of some injury and some uneven performance but the pitching staff has been able to control opposing offenses 
on a more regular basis here as of late. Do, do you see it as the timely hitting or with the way the pitching staff has performed here? Well, I think you nailed it there at the end. When it comes to the timely hitting, a lot of that is just sort of natural regression. You get a large enough sample. It's it sort of, it can feel like there's a reason behind it. And and I understand that we, we seek that out as fans of the sport, but a lot of it is just, it's happened to start falling at the big moments. And, and the Cubs have a lot of accomplished hitters, a lot of professional uh, veteran stable hitters that they weren't going to panic and, and they, they've sort of found their footing. Um, what has been, more of a pleasant surprise is exactly what you said, that this is not a Cubs team that has had perfect health. You know, they they have been missing some would-have-been key bullpen contributors uh, almost all year. And they now have been missing Marcus Stroman, who was to be pitching at the top of the rotation. Uh, you know, he's he's been out for a month, but he really was not doing well for a month and a half before that. Um, and yet they've been able to withstand that in a variety of ways, some mixing and matching, some young guys coming up and contributing. I've been very impressed by particularly the starting pitching this year, and you can't, you can't say that without noting the two guys who won the two games this week against the Brewers, Justin Steele, truly becoming an ace, and then Kyle Hendricks coming back from that shoulder injury to be what he's been this year is, is really incredible. How much faith... Do you, do you think it's fair to have in Kyle Hendricks at this point? We've seen him command so many big moments, and he did it yet again today. But, you know, he's I don't know if he's the Kyle Hendricks of old. I don't know if he needs to be the Kyle Hendricks of, of old. But, you know, is, is he a guy who, if the playoffs began today and you needed, you know, to sort of set your rotation, Kyle Hendricks as your number two starter, is that a comfortable place to be? Yeah, no, no question that he would be the number two of this. If this was the group, You'd have Justin Steele starting it off, and you'd have Kyle Hendricks in that second game. I think you're right that it would be unfair to think of this Kyle Hendricks as, as the guy he was in, in 15, 16, 17. Um, I mean, heck, what was it, 2016, he was a, a, a finalist for the Cy Young. and right. He's not that guy anymore, but physically, to, you can see how right he is again. And, and that has kind of clarified the last two years that, that he just wasn't right. Physically, he just wasn't right. He wasn't able to command that is so critical to his game. And obviously we knew about the, the trend lines on his velocity, which was never particularly strong, but it was, it was getting down there into the mid eighties and you just, you can't live there in the big leagues. And so now that we see him up closer to 90, getting that good separation on the changeup, his command North and South, East and West is, is really improved this year. I think he's a really, really solid pitcher. I think we can believe in him again, even if he's not going to be the guy he was you know, when he finished out the NLCS at, uh, at Wrigley with a dominant performance over the Dodgers. He's probably not that guy anymore. But to give you a really good chance of winning big games, I think he showed it today. Justin Steele is the first Cub since Jake Arrieta back in 2016 to win 15 of his first 25 starts. And I know, you know, wins, you know, as far as a pitcher stat can be a little bit nebulous, you know, the, the lack of importance that some folks put on him. I get that in modern times, but cool stat when you're in the, the same conversation with 2016 Jake Arietta, How big of a moment? Is that a potential watershed-type moment for what Justin Steele can become? I've been thinking a lot about that lately, actually, and about the type of pitcher he is now where in a game like on Tuesday night, he clearly didn't have his best command opening. 
He takes a line drive off the leg. And, like, we know that this is a big, strong, bulldog-type pitcher. But to go through that and then still find a way not just to keep the game competitive for the Cubs, but to turn it around and be dominating the Brewers and win a 1-0 game because of his performance, you know, I don't know how better to describe an ace. You know, that's just that's what he's become. And I, I don't want to say that he snuck up on people because we saw we saw the contours of this starting to to take shape last year. But it, it's just like he keeps getting better and better as as this year goes. And I think that um, I think we're going to just see him continue to get better. And he's, he seems strong down the stretch. And we're kind of in uncharted territory in terms of innings for him this year. And that's kind of the next big test is, is can he maintain this strength and durability and performance even as hopefully the Cubs make a run in the postseason. Yeah, that, that innings watch is such a – it can be a stressful thing, you know, when you begin paying close attention to it because you're hoping the squad will not only play through the regular season as he's healthy for that, but into the postseason as well. What's your sense for how closely the Cubs themselves are watching that with Justin Steele? Well, the way they put it is that they are constantly monitoring sort of, uh, how would you describe it, under-the-hood type stuff, you know, the biomechanical data that they're evaluating every game as they watch them. The the uh, Hawkeye camera is always watching. You can see all the movements. You can see the delivery. You can monitor the health in ways that maybe you couldn't have 10, 15 years ago. And so as long as he's still checking all those boxes, I think they're going to be comfortable continuing to send him out there on sort of a regular basis you know no no extra guardrails in place and and again we saw that this week he threw a career high 111 pitches um i think that it would be only where you would maybe start to see some cracks that that you would have to be a little more cautious or if we're very fortunate and and the cubs get themselves into a place in two or three weeks where whatever their playoff uh, future is going to be become set and clear and, and likely, then you could maybe start to play around with giving him an extra day of rest here and there, call someone up for a fill-in start, and sort of start playing with those things. Um, are you losing faith in Jameson Tyone? I'm I'm frustrated. <laughs> I'm frustrated. <laughs> I, I would I would say is it's particularly frustrating. I imagine he would say the same thing um, that it it felt like he had turned that corner. You know, it felt like he had finally locked things down. Uh, what starting with that Yankees start before the break, he had a nice run of about a month and a half where it was like, oh, he's Jamison Tyone again. This is mm-hmm. the guy that they were trying to get. He's, he's who he's supposed to be. And then the last two or three outings, we've seen some of those issues again where he's maybe being a little too fine. He's falling behind hitters, and then he's coming back into the zone to try to steal a strike. But, but the batters are just ready. You know, it's 2-0 and you're sitting dead red fastball, and he throws one right down the middle, yeah, that's going to get hit. That's going to get hit pretty hard. And uh, We saw that this week. We saw this the last time out. Um, he's still an incredibly talented pitcher who has a very good big league level pitch mix, and he's a hard worker, and he does his work between starts. So it's not as if you, you would presume he's going to stink next time out because he's flipped that switch already once this season. But we're getting into September. We're getting down to the postseason. You know, like he needs to find a rhythm and stick with it and stay in a place where he's making starts to give the Cubs a chance to win every time he takes the ball. Because especially with Marcus Stroman out, 
they need that from a guy like Tyone. And you, you mentioned Marcus Stroman, and I'm really, I'm really intrigued by that aspect of it because with Stroman, if he returns healthy and he looks like the guy did earlier in the season, then the the staff feels set in a way that I'm not sure many folks could have anticipated this staff feeling set this time of the year. But but if it doesn't, then there there it's just so tenuous where you're, you're hanging on the the thread of Jameson Tyone or you know, anyone else who could, you know, end up feeling like they can be someone you can count on beyond what right now Justin Steele is the most rock solid. And then there's sort of this this built up, um, you know, sort of foundation of faith that folks would have in Kyle Hendricks, even though things can still be a little bit uneven there. What do you think is fair to expect from Marcus Stroman if he's able to return? Well, I think, you know, he's started throwing long toss uh, today. So I-, I was pretty excited to see that news uh, just because that, you know, you at least know he can physically be in a place to throw a ball. Because with this injury, ribcage cartilage fracture, we just don't have – you can't even play uh, web detective on that to try to figure out what a timeline might be for a baseball player to come back. And so him being able to actually play long toss and, and you maybe start thinking, okay, maybe he's going to be able to get on a mound in, in a week or two, you could start dreaming on him coming back this year. And I think – you'd have to see him back for at least one regular season start before you could even sort of think about the postseason. But knowing he's got that history of of really consistent high-level success, if he came back from this and he had a regular season start where he looked like Marcus Stroman, you know, the performance was good, the results were good, all the boxes were checked, I think you could have a lot of confidence going into the postseason just because when he's been healthy – he's been a successful pitcher. And, and I'm not sure before he went on the IL with the hip issue. I, I mean, I think it's clear he was pitching through something that whole time when, when he was struggling. And so if this time away has given a chance for the hip to get right and this new injury doesn't uh, have a long-term impact on his performance, I think you could feel pretty good if he can get back on the mound and pitch in a game before the end of the season, which I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm counting on it, but, but I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful. Uh, according to Twitter, looks like your brother is a Reds fan. So is this going to be a house divided <laughs> situation or what do you got coming up with the weekend series starting on Friday between you and your brother? I will get a lot of texts from him uh, <laughs> when things good or bad happen for the Reds. He, he's thankfully not, one of these guys who is, you know, is just there to razz and give a hard time. He, he can do like a lot of us Cubs fans do where he can be elated for a moment and then totally fatalistic for a moment. And, um, you know, the Reds, they are kind of teetering right now. It's a, it's a delicate time for them. They've started to slip a little bit. A lot of these young guys, I think, don't have that experience sort of going this deep in a competitive season, that rotation, that, that, sort of desperately needed a boost at the deadline and their organization saw fit not to give it to them. Um, I'm not sure how well they're going to hold up down the stretch. And if, if they don't, I'll just, I'll try not to be the, you know, I'll I'll try not to send my brother too many rude texts. (laughs) Four games coming up in the natty, big opportunity for the Cubs to, continue expanding that that lead in the wild card as much as they can looking forward to reading your coverage of that brett for bleacher nation appreciate you taking the time with me tonight thank you so much for having me on that is brett taylor joining me on the circle resort casino in las vegas hotline home of the world's largest sports book he is on twitter at brett underscore a underscore taylor not only read him at bleacher nation but listen to him as a podcaster with the athletic 
Chicago. Let's keep the, the Cubs conversation rolling. Something that our guy Evan Altman wrote about the Cubs pitch lab that I want to get into on the other side of this timeout. But I would love to hear from you as well, just on the current construct of the Cubs and whether or not you feel like you know, going forward this season, because it has ebbed and flowed in this roller coaster of Cubs emotion so much in recent weeks as the team has ebbed and flowed in its success, but winning series after series after series and now being solidly in the playoff picture, in what way are you now riding this wave with the Cubs? Is this just sort of found money versus what your expectations were coming into this season? Or have you tasted that championship success so recently that you're going to be disappointed if they don't win the division, disappointed if they don't make some kind of deep postseason run because the previous iteration here a few seasons back didn't get deep into the playoffs as frequently as was anticipated. I would love to hear just how you are currently consuming this 2023 version of the Cubs with a month to go in the regular season. Give me a call at 312-644-6767. I just want to know where you're at mentally, emotionally with this current version of the Chicago Cubs. Tyler, go ahead, open up them phone lines. Let's get some folks on the line here and talk about what's happening on the north side of town. We would do that next. I'm Anthony Heron. This is Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. Back clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You said my world on even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. It's better over here. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. And Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. This team has done. They've found a way to win um, for a while now. Uh, scratch and claw and overcoming adversity. Um, good teams, bad teams coming back late in games, tying things up. Uh, one swing of the bat at moments, you know, Picking up the bullpen, who's picked us up all all year long, uh, or especially here uh, for a while now, and being able to answer back with a run, uh, big knock from Belly, um, Morrell coming off the bench, you know, some good, really good defensive plays. Um, Yeah, just a, again, I talk about the character of this group. They are, they are fun to just sit and watch on a daily basis. They lot of got a lot of grit and and find a way to win. Just any little detail. that they can find, they're, they're trying to find that advantage and take, it, and take advantage of it. 
We're back live with more Anthony Heron on 670 The Score in Odyssey Station. Cubs skipper David Ross, of course, experienced it as a Cubs catcher during their World Series run where you know, he, he saw how ascending towards that World Series championship, what that was like, sort of riding that wave with the squad through 2015 into 2016 and the, the magical, historic way that that played out in 16. We're talking about Jake Arrieta uh, a, a few moments ago here. And then the back half of that as well, where frankly, it's just, it's less fun. You know, I just like with the Bears in 2018, you have that division title run and then the postseason ends with a thud or a double thud, a double doink, you know, however you may want to phrase that. And then 2019 and 2020, it's just a lot less fun after you sort of, you know, set a standard, set an expectation and it's fun on the way up. And then it's not like a roller coaster where the roller coaster, the stressful part is on the way up. And then the exhilaration is on the way down. But as a sports fan, it's very different than that. You know, it's really on the way up is the fun part. And then once you reach whatever that pinnacle is and you have what ends up in some cases being sort of that one seminal moment, that one season where folks say, all right, we've arrived. Then the now what comes from the fan base that's passionate about you, about your product. So right now, everything surrounding the Cubs feels like a lot of fun. You know, th- this is the age of innocence. We're, we're kind of there again on the north side of town. But you think about like 2017, 2018, it was less fun than th- those next couple of years, even winning division titles and making the postseason on a regular basis. A whole lot of winning baseball was played there, but it just it didn't continue to feel like a standard that had been set was continuing to be met. But right now, this age of innocence is back there at Wrigley. It's a fun time to be a part of Cubs baseball, to experience Cubs baseball, to watch it all play out. And just as a quick side note, I mean, as far as just what's fun, on my TV right now, man, watching what's happening in Lincoln, Nebraska, at Memorial Stadium. I don't know if anybody has the Big Ten Network on. I'm not sure how many college volleyball fans are out there before I get out to the phone lines in a moment here. But there's... Over 91,000 people watching a college volleyball game with the Nebraska Cornhuskers. This is apparently, I don't know if the official number is out there yet, but they've put this event together. It's kind of like, you know, it's not the Winter Classic, but it's kind of like, you know, in that vein of what hockey ended up doing with the Winter Classic. Let's take the indoor sport, play it outdoors. And, of course, there's beach volleyball and whatnot, but there's actual indoor volleyball teams that are playing outdoors. And it may end up being, once the official number comes out, the most attended sporting event in women's athletics history, not just in Big Ten history, not just in college volleyball history. It may be, and the way Memorial Stadium looks, I got a hard time thinking that it maybe didn't set the record here if over 91,000 people are there. Uh, We're going to talk to my guy Dave Refson a a little bit later in the show. We're going to talk a lot of Big Ten football, but uh, this is an event that we got a chance to discuss a little bit earlier today on the Big Ten Network as well. So we'll see if this officially becomes the mo- more than the 1999 Women's World Cup. Uh, so if anybody is interested in checking that out, what may be a – it's certainly a historic event in, in many regards, but it may be the most attended women's sporting event ever. So it's pretty cool uh, to look at that. But let's get out to the phone lines, 312-644-6767, 312 
Let's go out to the phone lines and talk to Derek, who's out in Wisconsin. We've been talking to some Cubs throughout this hour here. And, you know, just sort of this, this innocent phase that Cubs fans are in right now. It's a lot of fun to consume, especially when you're here in the city. Derek, what's on your mind? Thanks for taking my call. I, I love this season right now. I feel like we're playing with house money, right? I don't think anybody expected this. And I got to first start by saying to David Ross, I apologize. I was a big critic of his at the beginning of the season, but I think he's done a marvelous job coming through the season. I think he's learned a lot. I really like our pitching staff, especially going into the next year. So I, I like that we've got Assad getting experience. We've got Wicks coming up. We got Justin Steele. Our pitching is going to be solid next year. We so we got that core of pitching that's going to be helpful. I think I could see a scenario where Hendricks could become like a middle reliever type guy, right? Pitching's fine. What I would love to see this team do though is is solidify that offense by by signing Bellinger. Just because I would hate to see this be a one shot deal and then all of a sudden, you know, we got great pitching but our offense is kind of questionable. And I really feel like these series coming up right now, now is the time where we've got to put our foot on the throat of the Reds because they're going to get – Green's getting healthy, he's going to get good, and they're going to get Lodolo back. And they got still got some real good baseball players. I think right now is where we need to crush the Reds be done with it. Crushing those Reds. I think that uh, Brett Taylor's brother, uh, apparently his brother's name is Brian, who's a Reds fan out there, had Brett Taylor, Bleacher Nation, on the show a few minutes ago. He was saying his brother Brian, I saw on Twitter that Brett put out there his brother's a Reds fan. So that is not music to the ears of Brett Taylor's brother, but you mentioned putting your foot on the throat of the Reds. That opportunity will be there, a four-game series over the weekend here, where right now the, the Cubs are, are three games ahead of Cincinnati in the wild card picture. So there, there is a level of comfort that's there in that regard where chasing the division title is, is fun, and it feels, you know, certainly worthwhile, no doubt about that. But if you don't win the division and you make the wild card instead, in this particular season where this is the first year where they said, All right, let's let's put some resources towards being truly competitive again. Let's put some resources. Let's build this roster back up. You know, there's an inkling of it last year with Suzuki and Strowman, and now this year, you know, you have uh, several other players that were added here. And you mentioned Cody Bellinger. He's in line for a payday from someone. And we just had the last call that Derek mentioned that he hopes it's in Chicago. He hopes the Cubs will pony up and make that happen. I don't know, man. We'll see. We'll see. Let, let's get back out to the phone line, though, at 312-644-6767. And I should mention again, like I did a little bit earlier, the score listener line is powered by BetQL. Bet smarter and beat the books. Download the BetQL app today or visit BetQL dot com we got tev who is out in michigan wanting to talk about the cubs right here tev how you doing tonight how you doing Ant? i'm great man i'd love to talk some bears with you at some point but we'll talk <laughs> cubs today all right that's cool uh no i love I, I i love what's going on right now they're uh they're playing great ball and uh winning series that's 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 the key but um Last year, they finished strong. They brought up this just incredible uh, bullpen and uh, some starters that just finished the year really strong and unfortunately didn't start out the year really strong. But now they're coming along. Assad, um, I, I, I wish I wish they had uh, – I'm, I'm thinking of the lefty, Brandon – 
something, but I, I can't remember his last name. He was lights out last year. If they had the, uh, another lefty, uh, that'd be, it'd be great. But they're, they're they're pitching right now. Their seven eight nine is is fantastic. Um, finally, have a closer that seems to be a closer, and uh, I just love where they're at. Do you mean Brandon Hughes, Tev? Are you talking about Brandon yeah, Hughes? Yeah, Hughes, okay. exactly. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, offensively, I think they're – Rossi's doing, like, a, a great job of mixing in lineups. Um, a, a big surprise with, uh, you know, uh, getting candy was huge. And, obviously, their their free agent signings were fantastic. I, th- I think the the Cubs management should be applauded for for all their moves they did. They they didn't miss on a lot. They missed on a few, but they didn't miss on a lot. And some of the ones like Belly obviously was uh, a, a surprise that I don't think anybody saw being as good as he's been. And so right. I hope they lock him up. I hope they continue to add one or, one or two more pieces. But really. They're a whole bunch of uh, really talented players that that seem to get along, and that seems to be the great thing with this team. I, I love what I'm seeing. It's all you, Ant. All right, I appreciate you, Tev. Yeah, and make sure you call back. I'll be back on, uh, you know, pretty frequently here throughout the football season. Happy to talk some Bears with you some other time as well. But we've heard multiple callers here right now, and I'll take a break in a moment. We'll come back. We'll keep the phone lines open, talking some more Cubs, uh, closing out this hour. But multiple callers crediting David Ross, and I think with good reason, you know, because we, we saw the second half of last season where there, there, wasn't, there wasn't legitimate pressure or leverage on the second half of the season last year for the Cubs. But we did see David Ross begin to make some adjustments. I talked about it on this station a lot with the more aggression that that was called with the base running, some adjustments that were there at the plate by the batter's box and some of the development of young talent that was there. And that's why I think the the discussion about on the south side of the city and and how, you know, difficult to to imagine what the stretch run could have been for the White Sox and Every opportunity on the south side has been missed this season, so it's certainly not playing out this way. But while you know things weren't as as dreary for the Cubs last season as what they were for really the bulk of the season by the White Sox this year, but by comparison, once you know some decisions got made and they said, "All right, we're not going to go for it anymore," you start to trade some pieces away there was still something that could have been seized by that. I think a lot of the commentary from Pedro Grifol was still hoping, and, and I don't know that mentally he was comparing himself to what the Cubs did down the stretch last year, certainly not something he said, but we did have an example of that in this city with what happened on the north side of town last year where the Cubs were a team that had a roster that began to develop. We saw glimpses of what, Justin Steele was going to become this season. That began in the second half of last year. We saw Marcus Stroman, you know, the the fun, the the changing of of arm slots, the the adjustments of timing, the keeping the opposing batters off balance. We, we saw a lot of that 
showing itself last season. Say, all right, here's one of the offseason acquisitions that got made, and you saw a quality performance from Marcus Stroman down the stretch last year as well. Think about Christopher Morrell and what he showed last year. Nico Horner, what he showed the second half of last season. There was a lot of the building blocks that have been a huge part and big pieces of the Cubs' success this year, and that was a part of the reason why they were willing to go out and get Dansby Swanson and, and Cody Bellinger and say that, all right, we, we got some prove-it deals that we're willing to give to certain guys and some big contracts we're willing to give to others. Part of that was because of what happened the second half of last season. So even though Patrick Wisdom hasn't continued to be the Patrick Wisdom that was there the second half of last year, like that was fun. That was not sustained this year. But there were a lot of elements of the Cubs lineup that sort of coalesced into saying that it's worth our time to resource the roster to some extent, you know, and throw everything against the fan and spend all the money in the world. But the way they finished last season is the key factor in what we're now seeing this year. So that potential could have been there. The the South side didn't necessarily rule that out. Now, their performance on the field ruled it out. But you know, something like that, you know, Pedro Grafol at least talking along those lines never bothered me in the least. Now, it, it seemed unrealistic because of the way that the performances were playing out. But I do think that on the whole, you know, it, it made sense for him to continue talking in that way because we had the comparison right here on the north side of town for, for what maybe could have been if the Sox could have found a way to turn a corner. But it's pretty apparent that that's not about to happen at 35th and Shields at this point. We'll take a time out. Let's come back. We'll get a couple more calls in before we close out this second hour that I'm here with you this evening. We'll keep the Cubs conversation rolling. And there was something like I referenced. I want to get to uh, an article that was written about the Cubs pitch lab and some of the development that's taken there that I really, really enjoyed reading. And we'll get back out to you at 312-644-6767. I'm Anthony Heron. This is Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. We're back live with more Anthony Heron on 670 The Score in Odyssey Station. It is a fun time to discuss the Chicago Cubs because of everything that's been happening at Wrigley as of late. It is imperfect. It is sometimes ugly. But then it's been a thing of beauty, which uh, apparently is a a joy forever. I I heard, uh, well, you know what? That's mine. I said that. Uh, Wise man said that before me, actually. But I do think that because we're able to enjoy it in this manner, it's always fun to include others in this conversation, this conversation of joy that we have the ability to have because there's not a whole lot of other teams in the city right now that have been a lot of fun to discuss. We'll see if the Bears end up being really fun to talk about. I'm able to enjoy the Bears conversation because there is hope there at Hallis Hall, but then all these injuries in the preseason and you know the, the frantic discussion around Justin Fields makes that a little bit, less enjoyable in some ways, but you have the Cubs who are basically, I mean, you know, who knows? Maybe the Cubs are a year ahead of where the Bears are at in their trajectory, or who knows? Maybe this is the year that the Bears do that that ascension thing. You know, is this the the 2015 of the Cubs that leads into something? We, we see that playing out at Wrigley. Maybe it plays out over at Soldier Field to some extent right now as well, but Bears ain't played a regular season game yet this year, so that's a a bit more of a wait and see for the moment. Cubs, a whole lot of fun to talk about. So let's get out to the phone lines 
yet again here at 312-644-6767. Rick had some thoughts on the Cubs he wanted to share with the masses. What's happening, Rick? Oh, not much. How you doing, Ant? Good to, good to be on your show. You do a phenomenal job. Love it. Um, I do appreciate it. I'm a White Sox fan, and uh, I was a season ticket holder up till this year for the last uh, seven years. And I went to the Cubs game today, and not that it's not obvious to everybody the dichotomy between the two teams, but I really watched this very closely, and I noticed – two very important things, and that is the leadership from the dugout and David Ross and the leadership on the field. Uh, This team is together. They play hard. They're root for each other. They are uh, cohesive as a group. And like I said, they have a manager who is not afraid to make the moves that are needed to be made on the field. Uh, He appears to have a very strong hand and respect of his players. The players work hard on every play. They run everything out. They execute. I love the bunt today for the sacrifice. It was beautiful, well-placed, obviously a well-coached team and a joy to watch, not to mention, you know, and I know this is blasphemy, but it is one of the most beautiful places to watch a baseball game in the country. And so I'm not switching teams at this stage <laughs> but I, I i will tell you this much i'm going to be watching them because they're fun to watch and i love baseball and i love good baseball and that's what's going on on the north side now let me ask you this because actually shane and tanny in the afternoon show i heard them reference something that kind of piqued my interest a little bit where they're both passionate white Sox fans and when they did their final segment of the show they basically talked about if, as rumors are talking about here, if the White Sox, if if uh, Reinsdorf sells the team, if the White Sox end up leaving town and going elsewhere, the Shane and Tanny were kind of talking about like what they would do with their White Sox fandom, and neither one of them seemed comfortable with the idea of either becoming Cubs fans or allowing their fandom to travel with the White Sox elsewhere. You seem like somebody who you're able to appreciate what the Cubs are doing here in a way. Like, what would you do if the White Sox left town? Uh, in a snap. I would become a Cubs fan because Ooh. I cannot, I cannot, I'm sorry, but I can't be in a town. I'm such a baseball fan that I can't have a team. I have to have my team and my rooting interest in the town that I'm living in because I need to go to the games. I need to have a vested interest. I would, I would convert because, you know, I, first of all, I have grandchildren. Um, and I'm going to have more grandchildren. And if there's the only team in town is the Cubs then I'm going to convert the Cubdom so that they can learn to love the game and learn to participate in the community and be in the city where there's a team that uh, I can take to the games and enjoy. So I think I've always thought of, you know, sports holistically in relation to how it impacts my community and my family. So it would not be different. And I know that's blasphemy, but you know what? That's, that's for someone else to care about, not me. So, as far yeah. as I'm concerned, if they're the only team in town, they're my team. I feel you, Rick. Rick is a Chicago baseball fan. More of the White Sox, but willing to switch allegiances if it came down to that. I, I do respect that. If it, in my opinion, it is a mature way to look at things. Not that anyone should be forced to root for any other team, but your passions can shift, can adjust, can evolve 
uh, as the situation dictates. So I do respect that. I appreciate the call from Rick and everyone else we had on the score hotline powered by BetQL throughout the evening here. But we are towards the end of our number two. So let's transition here. Let's talk some college sports. Let's talk some Big Ten sports. Opening weekend of Big Ten football. Frankly, opening night of Big Ten football is tomorrow night. And then a full weekend of Big Ten sports on the way. Let's go out to the hotline for one of my good buddies, somebody who had to deal with me for about an hour earlier today on the Big Ten Network. Rever, Dave Repson will join me next on The Score. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. Got clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You said my world on even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. It's better over here. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. <laughs> 